Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NFL show. I'm Nora Princiati and I am here for the second installation of our division by division power ranking series with Steven Ruiz. Steven, you off air before we started recording just informed me that you found out online that you are not invited to any potential Jets Super Bowl parade. Can you explain to the listeners what's going on? I, I honestly don't know. But yeah, a Jets fan is apparently like keeping a list of, of people who aren't invited. And the list includes like Tom Brady, Ryan Leaf, for some reason. I don't want to know why Ryan Leaf, what he did. Mina Kimes is on there, Stephen A. Smith. But I'm third on the list. Or I'm fourth on the list. I'm, be- <laughs> I'm behind Jamal Adams, Tom Brady, some Packers blogger. And then it's me. Like, what did I do where I'm almost at the level of Tom Brady, who just tormented this franchise for two decades? I Like what I made, I said, Zach Wilson isn't good. I mean, I was kind of right about that one. Yeah, the funny thing is, is like that doesn't really have to do very much with if the Jets are going to make a Super Bowl, right? Like that's happening with Aaron. You're pretty pro the Aaron Rodgers Jets, I think, right? I mean, uh, as as pro as you could be, I guess. I I don't know. I'm not <laughs> anti. I guess we'll find out when we do the AFC East pod. But I don't know what I did. I got to go back and listen to some pods, reread some articles. But like, I I don't know. I'm pro Aaron Rodgers, like as a football player. By the way, this, this list is I wouldn't incredible. Want to, I wouldn't want to go to the Jets championship parade, whether it happens or not. So <laughs> uh, I don't care. <laughs> championship parades are overrated. I went to the uh, one in D.C. when the Capitals won and then one when the Nationals won. Uh, not for me. Not I went to a Patriots one in Boston once and I was like as a reporter. Right? I don't think I was actually working, but like it was when I was covering the team. It's kind of nice. Like people are happy. It's nice to see happy people. Uh, I don't want to see Jets fans happy. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Steph, our producer, Stephen Anderson. Like, I want to see him happy. We can't rule out that, okay, so the account, not to like totally put this guy on blast, but he's got a blue check. So like, you know, he's paying his $8 a month. So I feel like I can. It's at JRNY Sports. Um, he's the person who's keeping keeping this list. Uh, we haven't ruled out that this isn't producer Steph's burner account. No. A notorious Jets fan. So, and you know. I've had some issues sending him my podcast audio. Yeah, and I, Steven, I could very Steven messes much up his see. audio all the time. I mean, if we're looking for an explanation as to why you would be persona non grata behind only Jamal Adams and whoever else, you know what? Know. That's that's canon now. It's it's Steph's burner. It's, canon. it's Steph's burner. It's a really good list. Steven retweeted yeah. it, asking if Zach Wilson is invited to the parade. But just like if anyone wants to have a fun moment on the internet, like why is Ryan Leaf on this list? Also, someone named Wyatt is on the list. I don't know who that is. I don't know. Some Jets hater. It says, if you scroll down to the bottom, it says Dolphins Tarp guy in 1983. And then it says Ben Baldwin in parentheses, huge nerd. That's me and spirited. That is, but I'm going to leave that one alone. Okay, 
We're not here to talk about the Jets Super Bowl parade. We're here to talk about the NFC South. A really chaotic division. And before we start, I feel like we should have like a moment of appreciation for just how this division turned out last season when anybody could have made the playoffs. We had just like four, basically 500 teams stewing around with each other, trying to just trying not to make the postseason. And eventually the Bucks prevailed. Um, but this was a really special bunch last year. And I don't want that to go, uh, to go forgotten as we begin this, this. Can we read off the standings? The Bucks won eight and nine. The Bucks finished first. And then the next three teams all finished seven and 10. And then the point differentials, minus 45, minus 27, minus 15, minus 21. Like the, the, the worst point differential you had, the better you finished in the in the division. Just a totally backwards division. And I like I can't get my brain to accept that the Bucks were in the playoffs last year. Like every time I think <laughs> about them, I'm like, oh, they're coming off a bad year. They're way down. They got to bounce back if they want to make the playoffs. They were in the playoffs. All, all true. Although I don't know if they had necessarily showed up. Like they the Cowboys just like walked through them and Dak Prescott had the greatest game of his career against them. But yeah, I think the Bucks would prefer to forget that they were in the playoffs as well, probably. But I would not be surprised if the standings like look exactly the same a year from now. Because <laughs> this division can go in any direction. I I am fascinated to hear how you stack these teams. Because honestly, going we're recording the episode right now. I should already have my order. And to be honest with you, I don't. I don't. I'm I'm freestyling. I'm winging it. Wow. So I did I did it a different way where like I I um a couple days ago started prep stuff and like put together an order. And then I was this morning continuing to fill in notes and and read stuff and look stuff up. And I was just like, what was I thinking? Like, I hate this order. This makes no sense. And that did not happen to me when we did the AFC South. Like I was sort of like, yeah, no, this makes sense. I feel good about where this is. So we're going to have to, this is going to be cathartic or therapeutic or whatever. We're going to work, work through some things together with the, with the good old NFC South. Um, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll start. So I did not think I was going to pick this team, but the more I looked at the roster, the more I looked at like their offseason moves, the more I felt confident in picking them. This is the one spot that I do feel confident slotting in, and that's the Falcons on top. And I don't I don't know when it happened, but the roster got really good. <laughs> and like there are obviously some key question marks starting with the quarterback position, which is a a pretty big position. But outside of quarterback, they have the pieces to be a really, really solid, good team. They have an offensive line that, I don't know if it's like an elite unit, but I think it's up there. Could be a top 10 unit. Pretty darn good, yeah. Yeah, especially with Arthur Smith, like pulling the strings and designing the run game. The wide receiver room is a little questionable but I don't think you really need wide receivers with the way that they play and the, you know like the running game is going to be the focal point and I think Drake London is an ascending player but behind him you have Matt Collins and Scotty Miller and by the way Scotty Miller like on pro football reference in our lads it's Scott Miller throw oh. a Y on there yeah a little formal I don't know if he changed his name or anything or he's like he's grown up a little bit but yeah Scotty like, Miller might be going he's as like a he's like a shifty little white guy that's a Scotty that's like, that's a good point. You're telling me that that guy goes by Scott. I don't really buy it. He's like, can you Please, be like Scott's a, my father? Can you Call be a Scotty. fifty? Year, can you be a fifty year old man and be named Scotty though? I guess that's, if you that's, if you we'll like if you're an athlete, yes. Also, he's not fifty. 
I, I know, but you gotta you gotta prepare for your second act at some point. But every like, Scotty Pippen, Scotty Pippen is still going to spine. like small white receivers use the same like naming nomenclature as hockey players. There's just uh, like ease going on every which way. At least that's how I feel. I like the theory. I like the theory. But yeah, like the offensive line is really good. The running back room, obviously, they drafted John Robinson. You can argue about positional value, but he's a good player and he's going to make plays. He's going to make their offense a, a little more dynamic. But really, what I was impressed with is their defense and how they kind of rebuilt it in one offseason. They bring in a new coordinator that replaced Dean Pease with Ryan Nielsen from New Orleans. And you could like see them immediately trying to replicate what the Saints have on defense. And I know like the totally. Saints haven't been a very good team over the last year, but Dennis Allen's defense has been very good. And when you ask offensive coordinators around the league, they hate playing against Dennis Allen because of how, how good his scheme is. And now Atlanta's kind of getting a piece of that. And then you look at the pieces. They bring in David Onyemata from, from New Orleans, who's a good, a good interior run defender. Talais Campbell, he's not what he used to be, but he's still a solid player. Grady Jarrett's still there. Bud Dupree, who I think is a, a solid pickup for them. And then their cornerback group, I think, really has a chance to be good if Jeff Okuda can kind of build on the flashes we saw last year. He, he, he gets paired with A.J. Terrell, who's a good, good cover, cover guy. And then Mike Hughes in the slot. Those are You can play man coverage with that. And if that defensive line is, is, is good and you have a good man coverage playing secondary, that's like the recipe for a top 15 defense. And if you have a top 15 offense, which they had last year, like they're going to win the NFC South. I'm not afraid of any of these other teams, like maybe Carolina, but Carolina is playing a 5'10 rookie quarterback. We'll get to that later. But. So you mentioned that that would be a pretty solid recipe for a top 15 defense. Um, how many times in the last decade do you think that the Falcons have had a top 15 defense by DVOA? In the last decade? Yeah. In zero times, I'm going to say. One time, they were 14th in 2020. Other than that, they have been a bottom half defense every year for the last decade. The 2020 Atlanta Falcons defense. Who could forget that that powerhouse of a unit? <laughs> that powerhouse. The best gun. of the decade. So I'm with you here. I put the Falcons first as well. This is this is great. This is like I already feel more grounded in the takes here. And for me, it actually like for all of the the potential for this offense to be incredibly cool and fun to watch. It it started defensively for me as well. They could have. I mean, their off season. I think we could end up saying they brought in seven, at least starting caliber defensive players in Jesse Bates, Clay Campbell, Animata, Bud Dupree, Caden Ellis, Mike Hughes, and, and Okuda. Like, obviously, we'll see what happens with Okuda, but, um, and, you know, health and all sorts of stuff is going to be determinative of, of all of those moves. But they really did improve defensively. And, in a way where I think when they import that sort of saintsy style, like the thing about them having only one top half finish in the last 10 years is sort of my way of like grounding us in reality and just being like, all right, let's believe it when we see it. But when you look at the roster, this really should be a pretty decent defense. And that is just like really something they have not had. Um, for any other team... I would be more worried about the quarterback and the receiver situation, but they just don't right. care. Like 
putting together notes for this brought me back to that game against the Saints where they had Desmond Ritter throw the ball 26 times for a total of 97 yards. (laughs) They're just going to have some of the stupidest box scores and like maybe win, win 10 games in the division. That's my prediction for the Falcons. And and that's right. fine. Like in the NFC South, that's totally fine. Yeah, they're going to look like juggernauts in the NFC South if they get that going. If like the defense is fine, they're going to look like juggernauts in the NFC South. I don't know like who who can match up with them unit for unit. And then they have something that they can hang their hat on the run game. And I don't think you could say that about any other team in the division. I don't know like what's the Bucks' strength? What's the Panthers' strength? What's the Saints' strength? I didn't. I don't know, but with the Falcons, they have an identity. Yeah. And their identity, like offense and defense, like how they kind of mesh, makes sense. They, they could play that style of football that we know wins games. If you can run the ball well and you can play defense, like it may not help you in the playoffs, but it will get you there, especially in a weak division. I love Steven Reese throwing out like meathead football, run the damn ball takes. This is incredible. That's right. I'm back. I'm back. I've, I've come full circle. I feel like you like you start out and like, you know, when you're first learning about football, you're like, oh, yeah, I run the football, play defense. And then you, you become more involved. You start reading like the, the studies, the stats. And then you're like, oh, and then no, you're you got to pass Smith. the win. And then you, yeah, then you see Arthur, Arthur Smith. And then you're like, yeah, this guy gets it. This guy knows football. And I do think that matters. Like they do. They, they, that's a really, really good point that they are the only team in this division where it's like, you know, clearly what and they know clearly. Right. Like when they're going through mini camp and OTAs and everything right now and, and getting ready for training camp they can have a clear sense of what they want to do and how they want to win games. And that's really important. Like that, that's, that's worth something. The thing that'll be really interesting to see is like how much, and this, I can't totally wrap my head around, but like how much the, they are zigging when everybody else zags thing is going to help. I don't always know how to calculate like, okay, yeah, that's great. The, the better part of the defenses that they're going to go against are, trying to leverage their assets to stop the pass more so than the run because that's how modern football works. Also, that's how modern football works. So it tends to be better if you put your resources <laughs> into the passing game. And like how those two things are going to coalesce and and add up to how good or, or not good the 2023 Falcons are, I don't totally know. But like there is a world in which they just have a handful of matchups where the teams that they're playing have absolutely no answers for the things that they're awesome at. And those things that they're awesome at are going to be things that they knew that they were going to be awesome at, you know, a month ago and have spent every second that they've got maximizing that. So this, like we should talk about the ceiling when we get into like power ranking them with the rest of the teams, but they're one of the teams I'm most excited to watch this this year. I do agree with your point about like the quarterback position matter- mattering less for them. And like Marcus Mariota last year was was a good proof of this because when we watched him play, it was like, oh, this doesn't look good. Like obviously Mariota is not the answer. He's not playing very well. But then you look at his stats and he was like a top 20 quarterback all year long. And it's because of, of like how Arthur Smith calls the offense and how he sets things up for his quarterback. And I think Desmond Ritter, while he's not like the athlete that Mariota was. He didn't have the pedigree, like the pre-draft pedigree that Mariota had. I do think he's a a, a safer bet just because he's a, a more normal quarterback. Like he's a quarterback yeah. that you can rely on to go through his progressions to stick in the pocket. He needs to improve on his accuracy. But if that happens, I think he could be a very good 
quarterback in this system because he he compares to like Ryan Tannehill, who we saw have a career year or a couple of career seasons in this offense. That's exactly that is exactly what Arthur Smith wants him to be. Like they they yeah, they yeah. Ryan Tannehill is the goal, and that's that's sort of good because that's an accomplishable thing, probably, and that's fine. <laughs> Who's your number two then? If the Falcons are number one for both of us, who's number two? I'm going to go with the Saints. I think I think they have the best coaching staff that has already established itself. Like I think the Panthers on paper could have the best coaching staff in this division, but also like one of the better coaching staffs in the league. Like they've added so many guys to it this offseason when they hired uh, Frank Reich. But like I, I really like uh, Dennis Allen. And I like what he's doing on defense. And I know they've they lost some guys. They lost Marcus Davenport, which I think was a maybe a bigger loss than it sounds. But yeah. they get they get the most out of their guys. And like Marshawn Lattimore wasn't at his best last year. I think he'll bounce back, especially if he's healthier. I like their secondary. I mean, Tyron Matthews like on the wrong side of thirties. Like not, I don't know, he's not the player he used to be, but he's still a good guy to have in your huddle, in your locker room. And then if Cameron Jordan can bounce back from last year and, and become that Pro Bowl level player. He doesn't need to be an All-Pro. I really think this defense has a chance to be top 10 again. It was it was a very good unit last year. They almost made the playoffs with like no receivers, Andy Dalton playing quarterback. Yeah. A, an unsettled They're offensive line, in, I guess. In, um defensive DVOA last year. Yeah. So it's, I mean, if they can just maintain that. This is a very good team. And I think Chris Olave, and I'm pretty sure, didn't you vote for Chris Olave for Rookie of the Year? Offensive Indeed. Rookie of the year? He, you know he ball. did not win. I, he should have won. He he was a fantastic receiver. And I think if like Michael Thomas is just anything, if he can just give them something with Derek Carr stepping in there for Andy Dalton, this this has a chance. This has a chance to be a, like a decent team. Like the Saints, we not the Saints we saw when they were like at their peak, but the Saints we saw when Teddy Bridgewater stepped in and they were they were able to stay afloat. What do you think Carr needs to be for this to work? Because that's so I'll I'll spoil. I put the Panthers second and we can talk about that. But this was one of the things as I was going through. I was like, "Ah, I think I might be underrating the Saints just because their quarterback play last year was pretty darn bad. And Derek Carr, particularly, he had a very high interception season um, relative to his career performance last year. And if that comes back to to normal and he's just Derek Carr they should be substantially better offensively than than they were based on what they got out of quarterback last year. And yeah. I had a whole thing about the offense is old and they're counting on all of these guys who are coming off down years and, and just hoping that, you know, okay, are they going to get anything out of Michael Thomas? Um, Alvin Kamara had negative rush yards over expectation over the last two seasons, might get suspended. Uh, what is realistic to think about there? How much can Cam Jordan bounce back? As you said, he was the lowest ranked player by um, pass rush win rate last season. Andrews Pete can't stay healthy. Like what? what's, no, yeah. you know, people have heard of these players, which I think sometimes gets the Saints a little bit overrated. Um, right. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of them haven't been effective in like multiple years. Uh, and you lose Davenport, you lose Caden Ellis. That said even without Derek Carr being anything particularly special, I think they could be gaining a, a, a big jump 
at least a meaningful jump in production at quarterback. So I ended up being like, all right, I might be underrating them a little bit. Um, but what do you think Carr needs to do to kind of make this thing go? If, say, Olave continues to to look pretty special, but Michael Thomas is is not on the field very much or just not doing all that much. I honestly don't think he has to be that good. I think he needs to be what he was two years ago. Like, just be, hover around that top 10 range, like in terms of like individual play. And I think if they do get some of the breaks we've talked about and like some of the, like, I don't think Michael Thomas has to be great again, especially if Olave takes another step. But if the receivers are good enough and then Carr can just be, and Carr's like a good quarterback. I'm very hard on Carr. Just have uh, the top ten. He could be like twelfth. It'll be fine. You can, yeah. But, that's that's the nice thing about hovering is like you can be fourteenth and you're hovering around the top ten. That's a good. You could be like seventeenth and you're still hovering. But he's a good quarterback. I feel like we're kind of like I certainly underrate Derek Carr just because I wouldn't want him to be like my team's quarterback. Just because I don't know. I don't think he. I think he needs to take more ownership of the offense, and and I don't mean that like calling plays and like commanding the huddle. I mean, like, when a play breaks down and the play's not working, he needs to utilize that athleticism that he does have. Like, this guy tested as a good athlete, and you would never know it because he he never scrambles. He's afraid to get hit. I don't know what other way to put it. Like, that's just the book on him. And until he changes that, I don't think he's ever going to be able to capitalize on all the talent he has because the dude is talented. Like, when Devontae Adams was comparing him to Aaron Rodgers, it was, like, laughable, but... He kind of was on to something because they do have like similar skill sets, but Derek Carr just doesn't really capitalize on it. I mean, could have been a Hall of Famer if he'd been a Jet. That's right. Do you think Derek Carr is invited to the parade? Uh, yeah, why not? If you have an opportunity to have a future Hall of Famer at your, at your Super Bowl parade, that's I right. I guess you go for it. Why not? You have to. Yeah. So the Pan- you had the Panthers at two? I, I, I would did like have to hear the Panthers argument. at two. I kept pounding. I didn't like. And I didn't. I don't know what to. I really don't know what to make of Bryce Young. Like, I don't, I don't know what is a reasonable expectation to have there. I just don't. But if it's good, and like my worry with him, right, is more like, I don't know if this dude can hold up over the course of a career. But like one season should be fine, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> is it? That's my question. Is this safe? Like this I, safe? <laughs> no, none of this is safe. Are you kidding me? Right, it's football. What am I talking about? But I I mean, I'm not going to over... Yes, I am. I am going to overreact to these these like mini camp clips of him where he is just disappearing behind his teammates. And it's just... <laughs> it's like, is, now you see me, now you don't. That is a young man playing football. He should not... Like a young boy, child playing football with grown men. That's what it looks like. I know he's, he's a, obviously a... a an adult man and he's very good at football and it's very fun to watch. But like you said, how can you like confidently project what he's going to be when he is literally a historical outlier? We have never seen someone that tiny go first overall and have those expectations put on him. So I, I can't, I'm projecting without confidence. I'm usually projecting without confidence. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm projecting insecurity, but also the Panthers to finish second in the division. Um, I think that's true. It's it's a real unknown. At the same time, this is a really good and and developing young defense. Um, I think the coaching staff is really exciting and and should be really solid and should get the most out of those guys. And look, I I 
I wish they'd been able to do a little bit more at receiver. Um, I don't quite know how much, you know, I think we'll learn something about where Adam Thielen is at, at this point, uh, just based on, okay, he seems like he is on the wrong side of 30 and, and losing a step and not able to offer what he once was. At the same time, he also played with Justin Jefferson and like that's going to take away some of your production no matter right. what. So like, we'll see. I, I have a feeling he probably can offer them something. Not thrilled about the move. The one that I love is, is DJ Chark. I think could could genuinely yeah, be yeah. a good part of this offense. Um, But more so than that, I do think that they will be able to, like they're going to win a few games defensively. I, I really feel like that's going to happen for them this year. Yeah, I could definitely see that. They did. I'm I, now, uh, I'm waffling a little bit. I think you might have, uh, you know, last week, last week you were, you were gracious enough to allow the Colts to leap the Titans, um, which was my list and not your list. I might, I'm willing to, to, to do the same here. I, I think I may have been swayed that the, the pan, the Saints should be second. This is sort of an L for you, though, Stephen, because you're a Panthers fan. It is. It is. But now I, I, I win no matter what. Either they they come in third or fourth, and I was right, or they I was wrong, and they make the playoffs. So, you know, I'm playing both sides. Also, I'm very concerned about uh, LaVisca Chenault getting the, the dreaded, oh, we're going to use him like Debo Samuel uh, <laughs> comment from Frank Reich. Never has worked. It never will work. It only works for Debo Samuel. It's actually like the the 49ers have broken so many people. It's just like stop saying that anyone is going to be Debo Samuel or Fred Warner. Just like or it's Brock not going to happen. Stop. Or Brock Purdy somehow. Dude. Brock Purdy has broken this league. Every like Sam Howell is going to be Brock Purdy. Like the 49ers are just in the weirdest they're just like, no, no, Brock Purdy's going to, we're good with Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy's like, my arm doesn't work. Like, the the, the mass psychosis. And I like Brock Purdy. I'm happy for Brock yeah. Purdy. Like, the Niners could win a lot of games with Brock Purdy. I, I'm not sure he has a working elbow. Like, that's that's just the only thing. And I also feel Why like you're taking the no wrong lesson. no one can be normal that? about Brock Purdy? Right. Let's just call it, like, he's... He was a surprising player who I don't even why we this turned into the Brock Purdy pod. Maybe because we should get back I on needed track. to get this off my chest. Like okay. during the draft, the number of like, ooh, he could really be the Brock Purdy of this draft. Like, what does that mean? What like he played six games in the best situation known to man and was pretty good and now might not have a working elbow. Like, that's the Brock Purdy of what? I, I I don't know. Every don't know. quarterback who got drafted outside of the first two rounds has like Brock Purdy like potential. None of this makes sense. Brock Purdy is so impressive that Tom Brady has been replaced as the like the late round Seriously? example, and now it's Brock Purdy. Oh. Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls. Brock Purdy, like, what are we doing? Brock Purdy couldn't win the Big 12. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the, the Panthers, I guess. I just want to talk about Brock Purdy. I have, like, I'm now I'm losing my mind because of Brock Purdy, just in a different way. Um, what did you say? Let's talk about the Panthers some more? Yeah, because I, I do think, like, the defense has a very good chance of being, 
like you said, like a very good unit that wins them games. I need to see Brian Burns like take that next step. Like he's shown it. He had a lot of sacks last year. His his pressure numbers were a little, you know, kind of screams a little regression because if the sack numbers don't really match the pressure numbers, usually the sacks go down. I want to see him take that next step. He's he's the best player on the defense. He's one of the most versatile edge defenders in the league. But he, there's he leaves something to be desired with his pass rush, just as a pure pass rusher. Four down, no blitzes, no stunts, none of that stuff. I don't, he's not a difference maker in those situations. And until he gets to that point, I think there is a clear ceiling on this defense. Like the they they bring in Von Bell. Xavier Woods, Jeremy Chin's still there. He's kind of a he's kind of similar to Brian Burns, where it's like, oh, we see the the talent, but yeah. you haven't really put it all together. And then JC Horn is another guy that I think needs to be, he needs to be a top five corner, a top 10 corner this year. And I think he definitely has the talent. He definitely has the talent. Obviously he had the injury during his rookie year, but he needs to be that top 10 cornerback that they thought they were drafting a couple of years ago. While he's been good, he needs to take the next step. So if those young guys take the next step, I mean, I would be with you in putting them second. I just don't know if that's going to happen. And then I don't know what's going to happen with Bryce Young, just like how he's going to translate. I, that's why I have him third. I, it's going to be a fun team. I'm very excited to watch this team as a fan. The Jeremy Chin thing is really interesting just because like, okay, getting Ejiro Avaro in there seems awesome. I mean, all credit to him for being like the one person who managed to get at, get to survive the... 2022 Broncos without like massive reputational damage. Right. Um, so that's great. But the chin question is just fascinating to me because they did sign those new safeties in Bell and Woods. So they like, I'm, I would imagine that he's going to play a little bit of like a hybrid, almost linebacker-esque in passing downs things sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I but he's such a talented player that you're looking at it and going like, okay, it's going to matter for him to take a to take a step. But like, I always feel like with these quasi sort of hybrid guys, we're going, oh my gosh, he's going to be like this totally... I don't want to say chess piece because I forget who this was, but I saw somebody point out on Twitter that it's really stupid when we call versatile players chess pieces because chess pieces <laughs> have like completely preordained ways in which they can move and we're trying to make the opposite point. But he's one of those guys and I'm always sort of like, we always end up being, we as the football commentariat end up being a little bit loosey with the football. Yeah. With those players. However... I'm excited about the coaching and like if that hits, it could be really, really, really cool. Um, but yeah, it's there, there's a lot of projection with the Panthers. Yeah, it's funny how the solution to those guys is always just like play them at the position at one position that makes the most sense. And I think right. with Jeremy Chin, it's like Nickelback. Put him put him in the slot and where he could play like a hybrid linebacker slot corner type of role. I feel like if like if you're in 4-3 and the team comes out and spreads it out, the linebacker is the one that's walking out to the slot to cover the receiver. If you have if you have Chin there and he can hold up against the run, I think you really have something special. And that's kind of been a common theme with like the Fangio guys is is finding that like Yeah. Really the star of the secondary basically and putting him in the slot and letting him do damage and wreak havoc on running games 
and like quick passing plays. And I think that's how you get the most out of Jeremy Chin. And Evero, like we only have a one-year sample size, but he got a lot out of that Denver defense before they kind of like started trading guys away and injuries hit him. I also love his uh, decision-making. Like he was offered the interim job after Hackett was fired. He's like, mm, not for me. <laughs> I nah. don't want this. I'm good. Good. All right. So we're locking in Falcons number one, Saints two, Panthers three. Yeah. That leaves last year's division winners, the sub 500 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sans Tom Brady. (laughs) Tom Brady has been replaced by Baker Mayfield. Right. Right, right. One of the most jarring quarterback changes maybe in the history of the NFL. Just the complete opposite of Tom Brady. And I'm fascinated to see what this offense is, like what they aim to be and what they end up being. (laughs) Because I guarantee whatever whatever they think they're going to be, it's not going to be the case. And it's going to be worse and it's going to be weirder. And there might be a lot of Kyle Trask involved. John Wolford is on this roster, by the way. (laughs) He's going to get a start. I guarantee you right now he's going to start a game. Hold me to that. If he doesn't, I will buy a Baker Mayfield Bucks jersey. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I hope nobody remembers this. Um, um, unfortunately, I'm going to make sure that there is absolutely no chance of that. So if John Wolford starts a game, you're buying a, a, a Baker Mayfield he, Bucks jersey. No, if he doesn't start a game. I'm oh, calling my shot. Oh, he doesn't start a game. Wolfie's starting a game. Wow. Wow. What about so like so so in this situation, um, both Baker and Trask have been benched for performance reasons and or injuries. Yeah, I, you can well, leave. He's not just beating They're getting benched. For, yeah, I, because you have Dave Canales coming over from Seattle, and he was like, you know, he coached under Waldron, who was a McVay guy, and like it seems like McVay has this fascination with undersized white guys who can kind of move around. Like they love John Wolford. They they started him over Jared Goff in a playoff game when Jared Goff could have played. I think this. Well, although it is like it 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 feels necessary to remind that I believe the relationship between McVeigh and Jared Goff at the time was unbelievably bad. <laughs> that is a good point. But yeah, it was so bad that he that he started John Wolford in the playoff game. The and they game. won. They won the game. I mean, they also had a weird time with Baker Mayfield last year. Yeah, I, the the Dave Canales thing is interesting. I, I like, you know, everybody loves to throw a little sprinkle of of Shanahan McVay tutelage into the mix. Mm-hmm. That said, I, this guy has never called plays. He's going to do it for Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield, and John Wolford in some combination, or stacked up on top of each other and wearing a trench coat. So, like, this feels like maybe a time to mention that the rest of this roster is pretty good, but I just don't think it matters. Okay, if they do the trench coat idea, who's the top, who's the middle, who's the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't even um, I don't even know. So, Baker? Like, you would... Th- I, I think Baker would advocate for him to be the, the top. Yeah. But he's, like, the stockiest. Right, he's the best foundation. He's or like he might your be the base, best I feel like. 
if you can, if you can get Baker Mayfield to like, you know, be a team player in this moment, I think you put Baker on the, you put Baker on the bottom. And then I don't know. I don't know anything about Kyle Trask. So I will put him in the middle. And like, (laughs) I've seen John Wolford complete a pass. So he gets to be the top. It's Uh, not that I've never learned anything about Kyle Trask. It's just that like my brain can't retain information about Kyle Trask. It just knows like, this is not going to be relevant to you. That's a, yeah, that's a good, that's a good decision. Uh, I would put Wolford bottom because Baker Mayfield, like he likes to scramble, even though he's not that good at, he does that like little high step thing that has never worked when he tries to like outrun defenders. So So you don't want him, you don't want him controlling like what you're doing on the ground. No, I'd put him up top. I'd, I'd give Baker what he wants. I'd give him the spotlight. And Kyle Trask, he's a sturdy middle. All right, we solved it. We solved the Bucks' problems. I feel better about um, I feel better about our trench coat order than I do about the finishing order of the NFC South. Is the trench coat like red in practice <laughs> because you can't hit them? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I what guess it would be orange. The, the Bucks wear the they orange. They put the one. non-contact jersey on the like. This would be like it would be the the ultimate example of the old issue with like Gronk, where he'd get taken out of the knees all the time. But then it would be mm-hmm. just like, well, his knees are so high up. Poor Kyle Trask. He, he would be the one as the middle. He'd be taking all the hits. Kyle Trask is just getting absolutely pummeled. He can't even brace himself. He's just like, right. no one even knows he's in there and giving him credit for it. It's just they awful. should. Right. Maybe this. we should analyze this team. <laughs> they should absolutely do this. This team was the worst watch in football last year. Like, put some butts in seats, stack the quarterbacks on each other's shoulders, call it a day. It would be like. It would be like the Dolphins running the Wildcat. Like, no one's ready for it. No one's expecting it. The trench coat offense. But like this, I'm kind of disappointed that the quarterback room isn't better. Like, why not sign Jacoby Brissett and put him into this man. offense? It's a good, it's like a decent team around him. Like Mike Evans, Chris, I know Chris Godwin hasn't really been Chris Godwin in a while, but I mean he's dealt with injuries. If he can bounce back from that ACL injury two years ago, the line still has some pieces on it. Like Ryan Jensen is, is here. Tristan Wirfs is still a good player. I know the rest of the line isn't very good. And then the defense, like. I don't know. There's still dudes on the defense. They they kept Devin White. They kept Levante yeah. David. Vita Vea is still there. I mean, the secondary is is whatever, but they they retained it. And and I think Antoine Winfield is a is a good player to to have back there, a good leader. I like we are making fun of the Bucks because of the quarterback situation, but like around the quarterback situation, I think this is like an eight nine win team. Like yeah, no, it's like year, a really decent. It's a totally decent team. But I I I. I do you want to be that team right now if you're the most? No, like, it makes no sense. I feel no like sense. that's the problem. Yeah. It makes literally no sense. And the, the most troubling thing about it is that it, there are sort of two options. One, they're just doing like a series of weird, chaotic things that don't fit into any given plan or philosophy. Or two, they like those quarterbacks. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's depressing. Hmm. <laughs> I don't, I'm voting uh, for the trench coat. I like the trench yeah. coat. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, Bucks fan. You have like Bucks fans. You have like a very decent team. I just can't get past the quarterback situation. And in a division where we have, you've asked so many questions about the quarterback 
position. Yours is undoubtedly the worst of the four. And I think like we've had the same kind of takeaway for each team. It's like, yeah, there are a lot of good pieces here. This roster is better than you think. But the quarterback thing is kind of a question mark. The coaching thing is kind of a question mark. It's just, I, I feel like they have maybe the, the highest floor, but the lowest ceiling just because of the quarterback position. It's the one team where, like with, with the Panthers, like Bryce Young, he's the first overall pick. He could blow, he could blow away the league in his first year. Totally. Derek Carr, there's, we've seen him be There's a situation in, in which Bryce candidate. Young is like really like lives up to every hope and expectation and it's awesome and they and the Panthers have a top five defense and they're like a Super Bowl contender. I'm and, not saying I we, think that's going to happen, but that's like, that is yeah. within the range of outcomes. And then Derek, we've seen Derek Carr be a top 10 quarterback before. We saw him almost win an MVP the one year when he got hurt. And then Desmond Ritter, like we said in that offense, if Desmond Ritter is just Ryan Tannehill, which is not a, a terribly high bar in that offense, like that's going to be a good, good offense. I can't see any of that happening for the Bucs on their offense. Unless, like, Chris Godwin is just, like, all pro Chris Godwin again. Which, I mean, if you're... The odds aren't like... Well, the thing is, like, they don't have... They don't really have... They have to lean on the passing game offensively because those receivers are the strength and they don't have anything particularly exciting in the running game. The Falcons are totally different, right? Where it's just, like... Desmond Ritter is a bit player. Like Desmond Ritter is like the ninth most important person in this offense. He just happens to play quarterback. The Bucs are built to throw the ball. These guys are going to throw 500 passes combined this year. Like 550. (laughs) Going to be weird. Definitely going to be weird. I'm looking forward to it. In a really sick, disturbing way, I'm looking forward to it. And I don't feel that bad because you know what, Bucks fans, you got a Super Bowl. You got to watch Tom Brady like throw things off a boat and stick it to the Patriots, and that was like one of the most awesome things that's happened in, in the recent NFL. So like, it's fine. Just now, it's Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield, and John Wolford in a trench coat. Right. It's the circle of life. Nah. Could be worse. I had to watch Baker Mayfield. As a Panther, without a trench coat, without trench coat buddies. He needs the trench coat. Like, that's right. what we've arrived at is just, that's that's his superpower. That's how, that's how things, that's how we turn this whole thing around for Baker. A lot of people don't remember, but that's what happened in 2020. He was wearing the trench coat the whole time and Jacoby Brissett was under there. That's why they were so good. Go back and watch the tape. <laughs> okay. So we've lined up the NFC South. Falcons one, Saints two, Panthers three, Bucks four. Now, let's get him into the overall power rankings. Okay. Let's start this way. Number one on my overall list is still the Jaguars. Does anybody in, in the NFC South eclipse the, the Jaguars for you? No, no. I'm there too. Where do you think the Falcons fit in? I'm putting them ahead of the Colts. Me too. I had that. That's okay. We're in agreement there. And I, I honestly think there's like a significant gap between those two teams. Like I, I really feel strongly about the Falcons. Uh, the Panthers. I, I think honestly, like as as much as we made fun of this division during this process, and we were really optimistic about the AFC South. I think I'm putting all four teams a, ahead of the Colts. Wow. 
Maybe not the Bucks. You're, yeah. you're putting the Bucks ahead of the. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not putting I'm the not. Bucks ahead no, of the Colts. No, that was insane. Uh, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know what I was talking about. I, we just said that Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield, and John Wolford are going to combine for 550 throws. No, I'm, I'm dead wrong. Uh, but I would okay, put the but, Panthers ahead of the Colts. So then you're putting the Panthers and the Saints ahead of. So the Panthers would be, or sorry, the Saints would be three, the Panthers would be four, and then the Colts would be five. Yeah. Wait, no, the Saints would be two, right? Oh, no, the Falcons. No, the Falcons are two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it yeah, would go that's the right order. Saints three, Panthers four, Colts five. Yeah. I'm trying and I think to think those if I agree three, with this. I think those three teams are really close, though. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any problem with putting the Colts over the Panthers or the Saints, actually. Like, I, I'm high on Anthony Richardson, too. Like, I think we're both, like, thinking that he could be a useful player this year. And if Steichen is what is a good coach, then I think that's a decent team in a bad division. Yeah, I'm fine with keeping the Colts, Colts uh, number three, then, if you are. I just trust that Richardson is going to make a positive impact. Like, his athleticism is just such a safety net where, like, they are going to be able to do something with that. At a certain right. point, like, he is just, you know, going to be able to beat whoever he's lined up against in physicality and, and physical ability, and they will be able to lean on that no matter what. Like, even if he's not ready to do everything that I think he can do in the passing game. That's just so safe. And I really do believe that it's going to help solve their their offensive line issues. I think it's going to help Jonathan Taylor as long as he stays healthy. Get back to what he was doing two years ago. Yeah. At least most of the way. And like, I feel very safe projecting those things happening. I feel less me? safe being like, Bryce Young is going to be great. If Bryce Young is great, the Panthers are probably better than the Colts. I, I just am a little bit like, I just have no idea what this is going to be. You've convinced me. I'm, I'm there. You don't have to okay, sell so, me anymore. Colts, so we're, Colts number two. Yeah, Colts number three. Jaguars, Falcons, Colts, Saints, Panthers. Titans? Titans, for sure. And then oh, Bucks, Texans, that's a doozy. <laughs> That's a game I don't I do not want to watch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, I, I, I'm taking the Bucks. I think the Bucks just have more proven talent. Me too. Outside of the quarterback position. And then you still have the same question marks about the quarterback in Houston. Like I, I like CJ Stroud as a player, but he's a rookie quarterback with a bad supporting cast around him, with a rookie head coach and a rookie play caller. Yeah, I'm putting... Yeah, Texans are still last for me. Texans are still the worst team. Jags are still the best team. And then the NFC South kind of just... You could just pepper them in there. Okay. So two weeks in, we've got eight teams ranked. And the NFL is going to finish like this. Jaguars, Falcons, Colts, Saints, Panthers, Titans, Bucks, Texans. Jaguars, Falcons, Super Bowl. <laughs> 2021 Nora, 2021 Nora is 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 ascending into heaven right now. 
That's never wrong, really just true. early. Just never early. Never wrong, just early. Can you imagine Las Vegas Super Bowl, Jags, Falcons? God, I hope that happens. It would be electric. The league would be furious. I would be thrilled. Desmond Ritter at the main podium. <laughs> that Just ball of fire. Hours and hours and hours of Desmond Ritter media availability. He's average. He's throwing 12 passes a game. It's just incredible stuff. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Unfortunately, that'll postpone the Jets Super Bowl parade, but maybe, you know, we can get that in there at some point. All right. This has been the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Nora Princiati. As always, he is Steven Ruiz. We will be back next week. Steven and Ben are going to have you covered on Friday right here on this very feed. Thank you to Stefan Anderson for production on this episode and to Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal for additional production supervision. 